Ever wish for fuller lips? With Juvederm Lip Fillers, a licensed specialist can help you get the customized look you've been wanting. Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC can give your lips that boost of volume you've been wanting. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you are allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hi, this is Cal Ripken Jr., and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter. The ML Sports Platter, back with you all over the major platforms. Download, subscribe, listen, five-star reviews and feedback are appreciated. All a part of the Brawl Network, and find our network on Twitter, at Network Brawl. I'm on Twitter, at Mike L Sports, and all over the social media platforms with videos, hot takes, articles, and much, much more. Brought to you by Empower Federal Credit Union, Axe Exotic Pets and Rosie's Corner. Yes, indeed. This week, Rosie's is off, but if you're in and around Central New York, get back next week after their little break from uh, spending some time with friends and family for their themed food days like Meatloaf Monday, Fish Friday, and more. Rosie's Corner, a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor, and a big thanks as well to Camilla's Golf Club and the Vince Guerra Consulting Group. Log on to vcgtransforms.com. That's vcgtransforms.com. Become a better leader both personally and professionally. Boy, am I excited to bring on the next guest of the ML Sports Platter, a terrific, terrific director of so many amazing films, and of course the latest one being Al Davis versus the NFL, 30 for 30. It is Ken Rogers, and you can get him on Twitter, at Ken Rogers NFL. Of course, the show head of Hard Knocks on HBO, the director of four ESPN 30 for 30 films, uh, as previously mentioned there, Belichick and Saban, of course, on HBO and the art of coaching future novelists. Uh, it, it's just so good outlining so many things with Belichick and Saban, uh, their similarities and uh, their greatness as the years have gone on. Again, on Twitter, at Ken Rogers NFL, the terrific filmmaker and director. Ken, welcome aboard. Congratulations on the latest 30 for 30, Al Davis versus the NFL. Such a treat to have you aboard, and it's been a while, my man. Well, thank you for having me, as always. When did Al Davis become Al Davis? When he was born, I think, uh, is the true answer. I, I think it's easy to say um, that he was made um, by his um, experiences, but so much of him was just bred um, by his by his birthright. I mean, he he his personality was was baked in and that was just to be a competitor i think a lot of it had to do with uh his father uh was was pretty demanding he had an older brother who he competed with he grew up in the fairly tough streets of brooklyn in the day uh you know the the environment was always there Uh, and then you know there's just something innate in him that he always wanted to compete um this is a guy that didn't really care what it was he wanted to finish first and 
the football field, but in the business world that is the NFL, when you become an owner, that doesn't always fly. <laughs> when you have partners uh, in, in, like the NFL uh, owners that you are supposed to work with, and of course the NFL sees itself as you know the, the shield, the, the overarching brand of the National Football League where the owners make decisions together, he didn't really fit in with the rest of them. I love the Syracuse University part in there. I am glad that you did that, the old pictures. And what's amazing in the in the history of Syracuse football, and we tend to remember that more, by the way, than modern times, um, you know, it, what comes up is Jim Brown and Ernie Davis and Floyd Little and, you know, Donovan McNabb and Dwight Freeney and Art Monk and Larry Zonka, and you know the history. I could go on and on and on here, and you know that I've covered a lot of the SU football in Central New York. And you go all the way down the line, and you keep mentioning guys. You keep going to the Joe Morrises and on through, and Don McPherson and Dick McPherson and Tim Green. And very rarely does anybody say, oh, hey, by the way, Al Davis. You know, how important was it for you to at least have a little, a little, you know, splash of cues in there, Ken? I think it was important because I think that's where he realized he was not going to play football. Yeah. You know, that's where he realized all right, I, I, I can't uh, um, handle the game as a player, so how am I going to do it? And he he has a great line in the film that, you know, my former boss, Steve Sable, said, you know, where were you picked um, when, when, when kids were chosen? You know, were you picked first? Were you picked last uh, as, uh, on teams? And he said, well, I'd like to think I was the chooser. Yeah. And... That's really something that cemented itself at Syracuse. That's where he realized, I don't, I don't need to be the player. I want to run things. Hmm. That's what I'm best at is 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 being the boss, is being the the visionary. Um, and he had already started thinking about building an organization. And, and you know, he grew up seeing the Yankees, and he said, I want to, you know build the finest organization in sports. He, he, he wanted to build a brand, um, and he had that in his mind already while he was a college student. And, you know, it ended up being that Raiders black and silver that we know so well. And in the 70s, uh, certainly by the late 70s, it's pretty hard to argue that that wasn't the most recognizable brand in sports and really the finest organization in sports. No doubt, no doubt. So Pete Rozelle and Al Davis, the battles, of course, Davis versus the NFL, uh, the the main you know uh, reason for the film. What do you think, Ken, Pete Rozelle learned from Al Davis, and what do you think Davis learned from Rozelle? I think Rozelle learned... Um, pretty clearly in his losses to Al Davis. Not a lot of people remember that Al Davis won these lawsuits um, uh, against the National Football League. I think he learned that he couldn't control the National Football League any longer uh, by his sheer will. That The game and the sport and the business of the National Football League had gotten too big. And he he built it to become that big. He made it a juggernaut, um, but it became so big that it became out of his control. And you see what it is today. It can't be run by one person. It can't. I mean, it is. It's a giant. It, it's a. It, it's 
it's an industry. It isn't a company anymore. And when Pete Rosell took over, it was a little league that, uh, you know, needed a leader and he could run things by himself. And he was sort of a CEO. And by the time the eighties came around, it was much, much more than that. I mean, there was, there was too many politics, you know, he's testifying in front of Congress. There's, there's way too many things involved for him to be able to hold it all together himself. So he, and he probably lived a shorter life trying to do that. And, And he wore himself out. And had he learned that earlier, he might've lived longer. I think Al Davis, um, probably learned by the end of his life that he could have fought a little bit uh, less with bitterness. There's a great line in the film by his son, Mark Davis, who owns the team now, that he learned, Mark learned, growing up with his father, that sometimes it's better to cook with sugar rather than salt. And that's... And, and and that's what he that's what he did. Mark Davis did in order to get the new stadium in Las Vegas. And I think by the end, uh, I think Al Davis realized that he spent so much energy in court cases and fighting the league that he forgot that what he really loved doing was the football part. Yeah. What he learned what he learned to do at Syracuse. What he lo- what he was born to do in the streets of Brooklyn. To, to coach football. I mean, he was a he was an incredible coach that turned a team around in the Raiders. He was a, a GM. He was a scout. He was uh, a, the commissioner of the AFL. He was a football guy. And then he got caught up in the ownership. And I think by the end, he realized that he wasted a decade or two when he could have been concentrating on football. Um, I think both of them sort of understood that it, it got out of hand. That's such a good answer. Ken Rogers is our guest on the ML Sports Platter, brought to you by Camillus Golf Club and Empower Federal Credit Union. You can get Ken on Twitter at Ken Rogers NFL, the filmmaker, the terrific uh, director of four ESPN 30 for 30 films and HBO's Belichick and Saving the Art of Coaching. And uh, as we've talked about so many times, uh, you know, the Four Falls of Buffalo is amazing and so close to my heart, of course, because of my long uh, time as a Bills fan and, and now the latest, of course, which you can watch, um, I guess, probably on replay here, right, Ken, in, in some of the uh, ESPN Plus channel and all the rest of it with the L. Davis That's versus right. NFL, it's all over. Yeah, yeah. ESPN Plus, yeah. and, and I gotta say, you know, Four Falls of Buffalo got quite a boost this year. Damn right it did. Uh, <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> I, think, uh, yeah. I think the ratings for Four Falls of Buffalo really went, uh, went through the roof you know, uh, we, we January. Yeah, that, that, t- that damn team almost really made that Norwood kick goes through the, the through the <laughs> goalpost at the end. I mean, could you have ima- can you imagine, by the way, and I know we're doing the Davis NFL, but could you imagine, and this is a good spot to ask you, um, if, if, can you imagine that, that team, that city, Super Bowl champion. I mean, can you? You did the four falls. You talked to the old guys. You, I mean, uh, it, how, how, do, how do we process that? It's um, it, it, oh boy, it, it's um, it's tough. It's I have kind of mixed feelings. I I I I really was hoping it happened. I, you know, of course, I think it would be incredible for them to win. And I and I have sort of mixed feelings as a Philly as a Philly fan. You know, I, I was six years old in 1980 when uh, Philadelphia won a title. Um, 
when the Phillies uh, won. And it took 25 years until I was 31 years old to win another. And that's in a team with four, with all four major sports. So it felt, I mean, it, we took a lot of pride in that, hey, we're, we're the tough guys that are going to hold out and, you know, finally win one. And there's a lot of pride in finally winning that one, and it feels incredible. Yeah. But when it's over, when you win that one, there is a little bit loss of identity. Sure. And when are you going to do it again and created expectations? Yeah, and you become sort of just another team. Yeah. You know, and I would never want them to not win one. But there is something just special about what they're going through. And, and of course, you don't want to go through it. But <laughs> there is something so unique and special about that bond between that team and the fans. That just I just don't think it'll be quite the same when they win. Um, of course, like I said, you, never, <laughs> you wouldn't want it to go away. But I think historically, you know, look at the Cubs. Yep. Uh, look at the Red Sox. Yep. Once they win, it's sort of... You know, they don't have that story anymore, and they kind of just become another team. Um, the Red Sox don't have that aura anymore, and um, I'll be sad to see that part go, but boy, I will be happy to see the Bills win a Super Bowl. And I, and I, and I really, um, the biggest thing is I really hope it happens in the lifetimes uh, of all those players that were were featured in the Four Falls of Buffalo. Yeah, there's no doubt um, how special it would be. And, and, of course, I mean, the year they sweep the division, 6-0, and 13-3, win two playoff games at home. Of course no fans, right? I mean, of course. Of course. I mean, come on, 6,700 people, the most people that could see. I mean, that stadium probably crumbles to the ground in the playoffs if it's normal circumstances. And, um, yeah, it'll be wild times. I think you bring up a really interesting point, though, about identity and how people view you and how people pull for you. Um, but I think with the Bills, I think they'd be in a special category of, you know, the mixed bag. Like, man, you guys went through a lot of this and you're a champion. Like, you have both ends now. Um, yeah. Where, like, some teams that kind of get close but it's not as heartbreaking, um, you know, maybe the, like the Lightning recently, you know, like they were knocking on the door for a while and, like, this whole – you know, Champa Bay stuff with the Bucks. I'm like, right. yeah, okay, they're a historical laughing stock, but they're the only team in the NFL that can say they're a historic laughing stock that also has two titles. Like they're they're kind yeah. of in a different spot. It, it it is weird, but I think you bring up a yeah. fascinating point about and identity. We, yeah, we owe it to Buffalo as a country, and that was one of the main subtextual themes of Four Falls of Buffalo. If you watch it, is the change not in the Bills. The team, the town, the fans stayed the same through those those four years. But the way America treated that team changed dramatically. Yep. We we cheered the first team and loved them as underdogs. And the second year we really as Americans thought, Oh good, they're gonna they're gonna redeem themselves. And by the time they went back the fourth time, they were laughing stocks. Yeah, yeah, and the fatigue set in too, you know, that it was yep. it was up. They're well, back to get their butts again. beat. Yeah. 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 And that that was that goes against everything we teach our kids that hey it doesn't matter if you lose just get up and try again yeah. I mean, they should have been held up as heroic uh in their perseverance and instead we mocked them as a country and they were made fun of on the simpsons and late night talk shows and all that and 
that tells you all you need to know about America, that we can say that to our kids, but we value winning way too much. It's so true because I remember in 1991 being 12 years old, wearing my Bills coat the day after the Norwood kick missed, and it was, oh, man, you know, tough loss. But then my giant buddies were, like, you know, doing 12-year-old stuff, right? Uh, ha-ha, that kind of stuff. The next year it was, oh, man, you'll go Bills, go Bills, that kind of stuff. And then the, the third and the fourth, it was, man, you guys suck. And I was like, I was like, wow, like, I'm, I'm only 13, 14. But, and by then I was already, like, well into being a sports fan, knowing I wanted to be in sports media, writing papers in school about it. And I was like, wow, I don't, I don't think we suck. I don't really yeah, think it's that. And then, yeah, yeah, right. And now, 27 years later, I have a, I never imagined the appreciation that I, that, that, that would be created for those teams in my older age, because it's been amazing. And I've interviewed a ton of those players and your special was amazing. And it all kind of comes full circle in a year like 2020 where the bills, um, you know, where the bills really almost did it. So uh, it's, it's been really, really remarkable, you know, through the, through the 30 for 30 films and the HBO stuff and, and, and you keep adding to this incredible resume, Ken, you know, do you, do you take one little thing from a four falls of Buffalo and that you learn and plug it into Al Davis? Do you, do you take Belichick Saban and creativity from that and plug it into Al Davis versus the NFL. I mean, do, do, do things start to roll into each other in terms of your experience and the cerebral part of doing this? I, I, I think as I age, I start to see stories a little differently. I'm in my, uh, you know, mid late forties now. And um, I, I, I see a little more, um, I see films looking back a little bit more rather than um present tense you know um i'm really interested in how things change over time um because i've gotten to that age where i can look back over my life and see how things that uh, i viewed one way now i view differently and so that that's what i was just describing you know with the bills um the, the two bills, the relationship between the two bills, the 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 relationship between Al Davis and Pete Rozelle. I, I'm I, I'm I th- I think if you were to look at at my recent work in um, in the in the large documentary uh, space, um, it there, there's there's a nostalgia um, involved, but it's a reexamination of our nostalgia and is it is is our nostalgia correct and and what does it mean that we felt that way about the bills or that we felt that way about al davis um you know why do we think al davis was a villain and when in fact you know he had a lot of good points and he actually won these fights and we what what, what all that mean um and there's there's a re-examination um that i think is happening um to these stories in my generation that we thought were pretty simple growing up and there's a lot more to them. Ken Rogers, Ken Rogers NFL on Twitter, the terrific filmmaker and director for ESPN 30 for 30 films, including Al Davis versus the NFL. Make sure you grab it. Watch it. If you haven't already on the reruns, ESPN channels and ESPN plus also HBO's Belichick and Saban, the art of coaching future novelists, as well as in the Twitter, uh, the Twitter description. Uh, in this Al Davis 30 for 30, 
uh, Pete Rozelle and Al Davis are are living currently on computers with uh, Davis's classic white workout suit and Roselle, and, and they're talking to each other almost as if they're living right now and the programmed idea of it all happened when, Ken? When did that idea come to fruition that, you know, there'd be a little bit of, you know, them talking as if they were living today about this and the times and the rivalry and all the rest? Well, about a year ago, we made the core decision that we wanted to hear from Al and Pete themselves, that there was no one else that could really tell this story. Uh, you think about the people that were around them, and a lot of them are also deceased. Uh, the lawyers, the the judges that were around, and the other people, you know, Tom Flores, the coach, and, and players like, you know, um, Kenny Stabler, like they're okay. They um, they've passed away, or they're they're you know also long in the tooth, and well, so how do we tell a story when everyone's unavailable in one way or another, or, or really not close to the story? So in the old days, we probably would have cast actors, you know, that's been done in documentaries a lot. And maybe we would have put a, a rubber mask on them to make them look more like Al Davis or P. Rozelle, or maybe we would have just accepted that, yeah, they don't really look like Al Davis and P. Roselle, which would have been problematic, of course, when you cut to the archive footage. But with digital technology, you know, we're getting closer and closer where we, we were able to put a digital mask on them and write the scenario where their spirits were still wandering around Elysian Stadium in the current day and that they would tell us the story. Um, and, and that allowed us to put it in sort of a science fiction universe um and not pretend like we found some footage and this is them in the 1980s um and this is what they actually said because creating these deep fake characters that would cross some sort of you know moral ground this is this is science fiction these are you know these are (laughs) spirits these are creations but all the dialogue was was based on archives and, and research that we did on these two men uh very much based on fact and, and what they felt and i you know technology is going to get better and better i think it was a um you know a really solid attempt uh certainly the first in sports documentaries um i don't think we had the money that that star wars had when carrie fisher passed away and, the, and they brought back princess leia but uh we're really proud of of are Al Davis and P. Roselle, and um, I think hearing from them directly was worth this creative leap um, because I, I just didn't want to hear from anyone else. Those two guys are so magnificent as characters. I didn't want the story told by outsiders. So I just have two more quick ones for you. I remember on Super sure. Bowl Sunday morning, I had tweeted out, you know, for some people who are are young, you know, 20, 21, 22 years old, watching the Super Bowl, thinking that everything in the world started in 1999 or 2003 or whatever, that, you know, what you're watching tonight, it's easy to get caught up in the the, the craziness of Mahomes and Brady and the hype in two weeks and, you know, the baby goat and the goat and all this other stuff. But 
you really need to know who Lamar Hunt is. You need to know who Al Davis is. You need to know who Ralph Wilson is. You need to know, um, you know, who Pete Rozelle is. You know, you need you need to know who who all these guys are. The the Foolish Club. Um, you know, Harry Harry Wismer, the original eight. You know, the New York Titans and and Bob Housem and and Baron Hilton. I mean, the you know these guys. You need to know who these type of people are. Because they had the vision, they had the 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 idea. They challenged the NFL, the establishment, you know. And then when the merger hit, and everything started to come of age, and the big money franchises, and the TV wars, and all the rest, that's why the NFL is what it is today. How important is it to you when you run into young people, or when you create a thirty for thirty like this, to get that part of it across with main players like Roselle and Davis? When you're doing films about these sort of people, it, it's it's critical. But what's also critical is making sure that you are not making it just history-based and tying it to today, as you said. You know, uh, that's, what, that's part of the reason why we said it in this sort of science fiction universe. Part of the reason why it took place today in Allegiant Stadium. Um, it, it's because look, this this pays off today. It's relevant to today. This this war is why we have Allegiant Stadium today because Mark Davis learned his lessons. The new stadiums that we have were ushered in because of this war. Um, you know, stadium architecture and stadium uh, amenities. We would be 10, 15 years behind if Al Davis didn't fight these wars. You know, their luxury suites would be 10, 15 years behind. And, and you know, even the types of food and stuff that, that are in stadiums would be behind. And you look simply, you know, early in the film, it was important for us to show Al Davis's football philosophy and, you know, tell people that his philosophy really is what we watch today you know in the 1960s vince lombardi's football was pretty mechanical um and conservative and you know the power sweep and, and strong uh blocking and tackling and okay that's fundamental football al davis was you know he, he brought that afl style of football that was quick strike long bomb just throw baby no <laughs> aggressive yeah. defense yeah right and that that is what we cheer for today. I know. That's what we love watching today. Yeah. And that was Al Davis. He brought that to the National Football League. And that has nothing to do with, with you know, all this business stuff that, that film covers. It just, just when you look at what's on the field, Al Davis might have had the biggest impact on the game today and so uh, it's important to to show the history but tie it to why um why it pays off in the current day what do you hope people say about it when they get done watching l davis versus the nfl you know i i think the biggest thing is that um you know l davis wasn't too bad of a guy i i i think even I was surprised uh, that although he was a rebel and a uh, 
malcontent sometimes and certainly a contrarian. Uh, he, he, he never really became villainous. He, he, he never really crossed the line to where he became a bad person. You know, these, these men, Roselle and, and Davis, they didn't like each other in terms of business, but they went up and shared podiums, um, and, and Roselle had to pass the, the Lombardi trophy to Davis three times. Mm-hmm. And, and Davis <laughs> never rubbed that in. He never, he never made a public spectacle out of it. Yeah. He never even, he never even tried to show up his competitor. He had too much respect for him and he loved the game too much. And the, the climax of our film is when P. Roselle retires and it's one of the most heartfelt things I've ever seen. And it comes from Al Davis of all people describing Roselle's retirement and how he felt to see P. Roselle retire and their embrace, their physical embrace, their hug when that moment came. And you and you even hear the word love and you realize, huh, this was a time period, this P. Roselle, Al Davis time period where having different opinions didn't mean that you cross the line into personal hatred. And I think that's something we could all learn from today, you know, in this, in this America um, where differences of opinion quickly turn personal and turn into hatred. Um, Al Davis and P. Roselle, I mean, they fought over millions and millions of dollars. They were opposed at every corner um, to each other uh, for, for decades on end. And when it came toward the end of their careers, there was love and and respect um, because they were sportsmen. Um, they disagreed on business, but they were both good people. And I think too many times we look at Al Davis as a villain, um, and I don't think he was. Filmmaker, director of four ESPN 30 for 30 films, including Four Falls of Buffalo and the recent Al Davis versus the NFL. Also, the show head of Hard Knocks on HBO and HBO's Belichick and Saban, The Art of Coaching, and a future novelist. Incredible to have you aboard, Ken Rogers, on Twitter, at Ken Rogers NFL. Congratulations, continued success, and I can't wait for what's next. Really appreciate it. I thank you very much. The ML Sports Platter brought to you by Ken's Auto Detailing, Barks and Rec Doggy Daycare, Sit Means Sit Syracuse, and Stanley Law Offices. Together, they'll work to get you the maximum award. A big tip of the cap thank you as well to Brian Conboy of Mass Mutual New York State. Tax efficient retirement planning today with Brian. Go ahead and visit advisors.massmutual.com for your financial plan. A lot going on later in life. Maybe a youngster going to college or you're looking to get your retirement in full setup. Go with Brian today, advisors.massmutual.com. He's on Facebook and LinkedIn as well. Awesome to talk to the filmmaker and director, Ken Rogers. Make sure you watch it. Al Davis versus the NFL all over the ESPN platform channels plus ESPN+. It's really, really cool. Really, really great. And Four Falls of Buffalo, oh man, can't get enough of that. 
can't get enough of it. Thanks again to Ken Rogers. I'm Mike Lindsley on Twitter at Mike L Sports. All my videos, ML Sports takes, nine minute videos, etc., on the major platforms like Facebook, Twitter, IGTV, TikTok, and YouTube. And make sure you get all of these podcasts for the Brawl Network. Download, subscribe, leave feedback, and a five star review for them all, including this one, the ML Sports Platter, and hit us on Twitter at Network Brawl all a part of the Brawl Network. As I always tell you, enjoy the games. So we're here at Marshall's with Liz for some holiday shopping. She's really nailing it this year, isn't she? Oh, yep. She's got a record player for Amy. A gorgeous cozy sweater for Jason. And some hot pink fluffy slippers for her sister. The perfect gift. Wait a sec. <gasps> She's getting a pair for herself. Well, with prices this good, it would be rude not to. You know what? She totally deserves it. Oh, totally. Happy holidays, everyone. See you at Marshall's. Fabulous brands. Feel good prices at Marshall's. You know when you order a new video game, or a golf club, or a blender, and then it arrives at your door, you get a little thrill. Imagine how much more thrilling it is when you order a new car. With Nissan at home, you can shop for the perfect ride and order it without ever having to go anywhere. Sure beats a golf club or a blender. Buy a new car entirely online with Nissan at home. Deliver direct from dealer to driveway. Thrill starts here. Services may vary at participating dealers subject to applicable lossy dealer for details. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.